0: What's good, what's good? I'm back with a new show with a very respected guest, Charlie Lambdin. Many of you may know him as Moving Home with Charlie. Charlie started his career as a derivatives trader before moving into software development for the property industry and that was at the end of the 1990s. So he's got extensive experience in the property market. Charlie is also a presenter of Moving Home With Charlie, which is a podcast, and he also has a YouTube channel, so i recommend to give him a follow. Charlie also founded bestagent.co.uk, which is a property site that is bringing transparency to the UK housing market. So I hope you enjoy the show. How are you doing, Charlie? How's life, pal? Yeah, thanks, mate. Not too bad on you. Yeah, all good. Can't complain, can't complain. Glad it's February. A bit of a depressing month last month, really. <laughs> New Year. It goes, goes a long time, doesn't it? Tax month, New Year. A lot of geopolitical uh, depressing events last month as well. So hopefully things get a bit more positive throughout the year. But I think we're going to have a bit of a depressing, negative year we are. But hopefully we come out of it. Good at some point next year or whatever. How's been this pal?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, it's it's been really interesting. I mean, I agree with you. January was a bit of a bleak month. It was your birthday yesterday, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> nice way to celebrate the end of January.
0: Cool. Okay. Thanks for the birthday message, by the way, pal.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I got a good one. You're just celebrating tomorrow, <laughs> right? Before the weekend. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so th- the the Well, I mean, it's the same for me as the property market, really. So the the property market has definitely seen more buyer interest in January 24 than it did in January 23. January 23 was very, very low interest. Um, uh, So there's a bit of a sigh of relief amongst some of the agents that I'm talking to that, that there is a bit of activity. And I think... I think that there are some savvy buyers out there who are starting to pick the low hanging fruit of some of the lower priced properties where sellers are going, you know what, let's just get this sold because 2024 is
0: looking a yeah. bit. Uh, I know a couple of people are uh, capitalizing on the lack of confidence that occurred. look obviously hit the property market last year and rates rising, and a couple of them got good deals. So, Would you say that the main driver behind the uptick in January is people trying to find value in the property market? Would you say that's the main driver, value investing? Uh,
1: I actually think the main driver is the price reductions that are happening. And you saw it in right moves December and right moves January yeah. Uh, uh there's a slight uptick on asking prices, The big drop in December. And I think the, the I mean I think the, the price houses above six hundred thousand on right move dropped over five percent in one month, the average asking price of new stock coming to the oh, market.
0: yeah, it was yeah. a big hit, wasn't it?
1: And so um I I genuinely think there are buyers going, okay, there are some there are some asking prices now starting to come down into the realms of reality. Uh, and there are people who need to buy. There are always people, and so there's a bit, there's yeah. a little bit of pent up demand from people who needed to buy. And as more and more sellers are getting more realistic, which the estate agency industry and the estate agency you know, right move itself in every single monthly report is saying, sellers need to be more realistic. Sellers need to be more realistic. Which what they mean by that is sellers need to drop their prices. Um, and the sellers who yeah. are coming to the market, especially the sellers who are upsizing, and they're realizing, you know, let's just sell for whatever we need to sell for so that we can then move up. Because if you're upsizing, it's it's a sweet time to upsize because the price drops are bigger yeah. than the higher end. So those people who are fortunate enough to be in a position to upsize are actually having a good time of it right now.
0: Yeah, and those who are obviously investing, they're, they're seeking value through prices Reduce it kind of like the stock market is a lot of value that's being captured at the moment because a lot of stock prices have fallen quite a lot. So, you do have a rush of new money coming in when there is a reduction in prices. So, obviously, that's started to occur there, but it's it does take a long while for the large wave of new money coming in, which does revert well, basically, does does um, sort of make prices go back up because when there's there's a lot of sellers but when there is a new wave of buyers that are seeking value those value investors don't really tend to push up the prices they don't it's the main wave of buyers whether it's first-time buyers investors or funds you name it whereas a lot of people aren't really liquid at the moment a lot of investors aren't really liquid at the moment so those who are biting and buying are obviously those who have been a bit liquid whereas a lot of investors in the property market they're a bit illiquid at the moment like you mentioned about right move they are that is basically they're being well They've been honest to people since interest rates started to rise. Their stock has fallen 26 percent, uh, I think. So they've lost a quarter of the value of their stock price since rates started to rise and not yeah. rise. And obviously, their business is driven by the volume of properties that get sold.
1: No, not quite. So, right, right moves. Most of right moves' income is subscription income, so it's fixed income from estate agency subscriptions. That's but the problem mm-hmm. is, and I think the reason why the right move share price has dropped. Is that it's become clear that a lot of estate agents are going out of business. Um, you think so? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I know so. I mean, I I, I know that there, there were five thousand estate agency businesses closed last year, three thousand new startups. Uh, so there was a net reduction of just under two thousand estate agents last year. Um, that and are right you money-
0: look at driving traders and investors to offload right move stock though? Do you think or do you think they're offloading white move stock because of that? Yes. But also the property market as a whole, because nine out of ten property stocks are down in value since rates started to rise. Yeah. So I think it's a mixture of what you're saying, a reduction in the income due to the subscription. But I think the market as a whole, investors and traders, I think they're just pricing the property mark or they're just pricing in across all of property stocks and property stocks well nine out of ten of them they have fallen between 20 and 30 percent across the board so we are seeing a bit of a correlation there so right move stock is fallen correlated with house builders and yeah. other types of property stock um but their income has been rising yeah, so their income has been rising and their profits have been increasing, rising as yeah. well, but they're being honest in terms of the market itself. It's yeah, saying,
1: so, so, I wouldn't classify Rightmove as a property stock. It's a media uh, and a software stock. You know, it, it doesn't actually derive any of its income out of property transactions whatsoever. it's all advertising income from, from uh, subscriptions, And then also they get some advertising sales from ads on their site and, you know, mortgage referrals as well, which is slightly transaction based, but you know, it's, it it is a a subscription income advertising business. Yes,
0: It's It's still got full exposure to the property market. It's the exposure to the market itself. That's the key when it, when traders and investors look at the stocks, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, this, so because right moves income is almost all from estate agents. Those yes. traders are, are quite rightly looking at the estate agents' businesses and going, well, they're all, they're all having a, a really rough time of it. I mean, I've I've spoke to a estate agent just yesterday saying twenty twenty three was the worst year, either they've had a record that they can re- or that they can remember since two thousand eight two thousand and nine. Um, it's they say a really bad year, and and there is you know, the Jan- January has definitely seen an improvement in activity, and that is welcome for everybody, whoever you are, whether you're an investor, whether you're a mover. That's that's a good thing. But we're only talking about an uptick from an already very low base. We're still way below normal transaction volumes. So any increase is welcome. But I think there's a lot of a lot of, uh, over-optimism based on the smallest improvement. You know, and i have like, oh, it's activity's come back. Everything's gone. You know, it, it, it's, it's a small increase from a very low base, but but a welcome increase nevertheless.
0: It's what I call the crypto touch. Whenever there's something positive that occurs in the crypto market it's like it's a they all congratulate it's like right this is a the future the, the whole game is changing now and whether it's just a little policy or something little that gets enacted by a regulator like the bitcoin etf when that went public the those who have been pushing and those who have been pro bitcoin and cryptocurrency going back all these years they're treating it as victory they're treating it as we was right look the bitcoin etf is one of the main is one of the reasons why we've been right so there's a bit of a crypto touch when it comes to estate agents and positive announcements or news related to the property market what's your opinion for 2024 on the market would you think the markets a whole property prices how they're gonna how do you think they're gonna perform throughout this year?
1: I'm probably the most bearish person on <laughs> house prices that you're gonna meet. And I have even close associates of mine saying, Charlie, we don't
0: agree with you, we don't agree with you, we don't oh, I couldn't imagine, mate. Yeah. <laughs> close associates,
1: pe- people who support me on almost everything else just go, we don't agree with your 35% overall average. Now, first of all, it's so important to remember that that there are <laughs> The, the the property market is not something that you can look at at a macro level because it, 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 no two different areas of the market perform the same yes you can pull an overall average but for example the most recent land registry stock uh, um index showed uh northern ireland and scotland going up and, England yeah. and wales going down so when you've got an average of that which is all basically it's in the middle and it's flat that doesn't mean the housing market is flat it means we've got no. two going up and two going down you know so england and wales and, and actually london faring the worst of all of them
0: they're looking at the macro picture not the micro pictures
1: yes exactly so uh, so that, your question like what do i see the housing market doing so in terms of housing market health the health of the market is all about transaction volumes and i i i i mean hope is not a strategy but i i'm i'm I don't have a strong opinion on what's going to happen to transaction volumes. I hope transaction volumes improve for everyone that needs them to improve. And it helps everyone. It helps it helps the movers. It helps society. It helps uh, uh, businesses that are in the moving industry. It helps home movers. Whether you're buying or selling, it's good to have yeah. transactions in the volume. When it comes to prices, the reason that I am so bearish, and even in the face of close associates saying, Charlie, how can you be this bearish? I don't want to be this bearish because it's extremely bad news for a lot of people. There are people waiting to buy who say saying it's good news that it's coming down, and I get that too. But actually, unfortunately, I don't even see that as being good news because the reason it's going to go down so badly is because of what I see happening to employment and wages. Yes. If employment and wages get hit like I think that they are being and are going to be hit, then those people aren't going to be in a position to buy anyway, even when None. prices are- so th- this is why it's actually, yeah, you know, should you buy now or wait? Well, it depends. It depends what your reasons are. You know, there are some people I'd say, look, even though prices are going to fall, if you can get a mortgage now, but your job is looking a bit iffy, I would jump at it. Yeah. Get, the mortgage, get the home and find a way through because it's better to be in a home and then lose your job than lose your job and therefore not be able to get a home, if you know what I mean. you know. So yeah. a lot of people, even if they bought their homes, uh, but then they lose their job, they'll find a way through if you know what I mean, yeah. at least they got their home. And I, I get these stories all the time from people this happened to in 2008. You know, they say, we just bought our home in 2006, 2007. We lost our job in 2008. We were in negative equity. We, had, you know, we were struggling, but we managed. We made it through, and we held on to our home. And it took 10 years before we were back in positive equity. But we're still glad we had a home all that time, because having a home is the most important thing for everybody. But when it comes to – from an investor standpoint – in, I mean, you know, there are different ways to get into the, the, the market from an investor's point of view. But, you know, I, I don't, I think landlords, being a landlord is not an investment. It's a business. Yeah. Right. You know, you are choosing to go into the business of being a landlord. And that business has overheads. It has risks. It has all kinds of maintenance. And uh, you know, so huh.
0: it's not an investment. It has a risk to reward level to it.
1: Yeah. Just like if, any other asset if, or
0: market.
1: Yeah. Everyone needs to understand this. And a lot of people have lost lost sight of the fact that being a landlord isn't an investment. It is a business. And, and, you you know, so you're investing in the business of being a landlord. You've then got to see how good or bad you are at being a landlord and how well you manage your risk, how well you manage your, your margins and that kind of stuff. And, of course, there's a lot of retail landlords who are being absolutely wiped out now because they got in when it was easy and it looked easy and thought, oh, yeah, we're all going to be millionaires, you know, uh, from nothing that's just because the conditions of the market you know very high rents very low interest rates yeah any numpty could do that and 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 you know that's i'm not I don't mean that as an insult i mean you didn't need to have any skill whatsoever or any knowledge or any investment uh, uh, um skills to do that no
0: but that that really is in a bubble
1: a if you are uh, a business minded uh Investor, and you think oh, I'm going to go into this as a hands on business, then there are definitely opportunities. If you've got cash to invest, I wouldn't go near buy to let mortgage in this market, wouldn't go near it. But if you've got actual cash and you're looking for a business to run, and you then there are opportunities to buy flats out there at sensible prices, you won't need to absolutely screw your tenants on rent to, to meet your higher mortgage interest rates. You'll be able to charge a fair rent, which means that you'll get a fair return for a long time because you won't keep having them turning over. And then you manage your assets. You've know, you got to nurture those assets and maintain your asset. And your your assets are twofold. Your assets are the property itself, and the tenant is also an asset. And you've got to see those two things differently, right? The, the, The property itself is an asset, but without a tenant, it's a liability. Um, so your tenant and your relationship with the tenant is an asset too and, and the intelligent landlords I see that do that properly, do re- they take a really long term view, they look to have tenants moving in to stay for the long term, they don't try and squeeze every last penny out of the yield because they realise that's short termist Yeah. long term tenants that are happy and stay and stay paying their rent, don't keep moving out so from that point of view, if there are people with cash considering me a landlord without borrowings yeah there are opportunities right now, right now opportunities to yeah. do that but but if you're looking to actually sort of trade the housing market, ooh, I mean, I don't think there's a way of shorting it, is there? If there was, I'd be shorting it.
0: Well, short it through the property stocks.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you can do it yeah. that way.
0: Yeah, that way. but that's too late now. I'll explain in, in a bit about the property stocks, but they've already well, been Foxons hammered. Billions have been wiped off.
1: Foxons wants to. You know, Foxen's biggest shareholders are saying, we should be selling now. Yeah. Uh, they, they want to get out, but... Uh, but but the, the guy running Foxton's is whose name is actually Guy. <laughs>
0: Foxton's got Foxton's stock got so hammered before rates started rising, hammered so much, it's still in a negative territory. Since rates started to rise, Fox's stock yeah. is up thirty-five percent. It got hammered so much before the rates interest rates started to rise. So that that's been one of the ten stocks. But if you look back five years and before rates started to rise then you just think well Foxton's has just been hammered a lot but to be fair I think Foxton's is quite a valuable business because I mean there is risk to it but I think there is a hell of a lot of reward which is why a lot of these companies stocks when they fall in price it attracts a lot of takeover bids Um, These companies attract a lot of takeover bids, and that's why the city, a lot of companies in the city are in defence mode at the moment, because a lot of liquidity has been taken out of the UK stock market. resulting in a lot of UK stocks being undervalued, and there's been a form of de-equitisation where some some stocks are leaving London stock market and going to America because the liquidity in the London stock market is falling a lot. So that's another, obviously, factor. But, yeah, in order to stop the uh, short property market, the easy way is through shorting stocks. But there are other ways through shorting bonds and stuff like that, but that's more on an institutional stroke fund level. Um, but in terms of the micro side of it, um, I was going to say, so I'm seeing micro property bubbles that are burst in. You've got luxury property in London, a lot of luxury property... They're taking a hit in prices, half a million plus property in areas like Kent, coastal regions that have been subject to a bubble throughout the 2010s. Yeah. Manctopia, aka Manchester, prices around there, certain prices around there are taking a fall. So on a micro level, what region do you think is going to get hurt the most in terms of property prices? city or wick county well uh, a lot of people say london
1: yeah 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 i mean that that is
0: i think you might have a different i don't know opinion
1: i I was just trying to not jump to that conclusion because that 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 is what i want to say is that london and by the way that hurts me if i'm right about that because i (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: which, well, um... I think Kent, Surrey, Sussex, a lot of them areas are going to get hit because a lot of them areas have been subject to a property bubble. The Surrey stockbroker bill. A lot of people left London in the past fifteen years to move out to areas like Kent, Essex. The property prices in Essex went up exponentially. And because the country and because the government is kind of needs to build and the demand to build more houses is growing, this areas like Sussex, Surrey, Kent, Essex, they can take on that demand because they've got a lot of space. Yeah. So I am my theory is it's going to be the region, the counties, which are full of people, which are mainly residing in the middle and the upper class, they're gonna get hurt a lot more than areas I say like Scotland, maybe certain places in East England, North England. Do you reckon my theories is, what do you reckon my theories? I I
1: think I say I think you're right. I think that the but again you've got the region, right? You've got the counties or the cities. I I, I think I, I worry about Bristol as well. Bristol mm, has held on mm. to high prices a lot longer than anywhere else, a lot longer. And I think there's been a bit of an exodus from London in the last year or so, and there'd be people moving from London to Bristol and from London to Manchester, from London to Liverpool. You know, you, and that's I think one of the reasons why London's prices have, even with a late land registry, is showing London's prices faring the worst. Yeah, I, I think because. Hmm, you know, you've listened to me and Alex Groundwater talking about yeah. the economy and banks. That I, I, I agree with Alex about where the overall economy is headed, and therefore I think London may be facing not a not a bang, not a crash, but a really, really poor, like just sliding down backwards performance. Uh, and because of the cost of living, and people, you, know, you can't ordinary people can't bring a family up in London anymore forget it you know you want to have, you want to have a place to bring up kids in London you, you've got to be a millionaire literally yeah yeah so, people especially people who do have the ability to work from home which is perhaps it's fewer people now than it was but it's still plenty that can do that they are moving out they're moving further afield they're looking around you know compared to t- just even compared to 10 years ago the flexibility of where you can base yourself for work now is much greater than it was yeah. the requirements for commuting easy commuting are much lower requirements than they were So I I would, I'm going to say London is going to be one of the worst. I think um, Scotland's cities are going to, I think Edinburgh is going to have a bit of a problem.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But I do think it's going to be much more at the higher end. I think the demand for cheaper, smaller, lower priced homes is going to be, is going to hold up quite well. Yeah. And while there will be price falls even down there, because the demand there relies heavily on mortgage finance, and mortgage finance is going to come. It's going to be coming harder to come by as yeah. jobs, as jobs
0: and incomes fall.
1: Um, but I don't think the falls will be as bad at the lower end as they would at the higher end.
0: Yeah. Do you think the higher end is going to drag down the national, uh, the national price level? So the prices uh, across the country, drinking high end, high, high end. Well, the problem is high prices. High end It's going to drag it down.
1: That's what's been skewing the average and making the average transaction value actually increase. A greater volume of sales at a higher price.
0: Oh, got yeah. Yeah. Is
1: causing the average to appear to hold up or to go higher when actually what's happening is there are much fewer than usual t- transactions at the lower end. And I know that like, the, the house price indices don't, act, they call it the average, but it's not. It's, that, it's a hedonically regressed seasonally adjusted, all kinds of other weighted, you know, it isn't any form of average. It's an index. It's it's a weirdly calculated index that they call an average. And it isn't an average. Not by any measure is it an average. Yeah.
0: Um
1: but it's a very, very but it is a transaction value that they try to calculate.
0: That is and that's
1: hugely misleading. So I think the the above half a million has already seen much worse falls than below. Um but I do think the worst of the generally speaking, Notwithstanding regional variations uh, and local variations, I think twenty twenty four. Once we see the reports of it finally coming out, are going to see much worse price falls in twenty twenty three. Yeah, because the
0: media ain't going to be able to somehow uh... <laughs> <laughs> <No, it's laughs> sort doesn't... of create a positive <laughs> yeah. perception to... of something that's currently negative.
1: Yeah, you can. What? What? Um, are there? Any, are there any restrictions on our language in this podcast, Michael? Not really. No. Because I was just like, you know, you can only you can only airbrush an asshole so much, can't you?
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's been quite funny looking at some of these articles. It has. But there has I mean, maybe that has contributed to all prices not as falling as much as what many contrarians or realists assume they would have fall before price interest rates started to rise all the way up to 5.25%. What about land prices, Char? Because I'm not um, really looking at land prices. How are they faring?
1: Well, I saw a really interesting. Uh, Knight Frank put out a study yesterday, uh, just the other day before, about land prices, and green land prices are lower than they were in 2011. Um, why am I maybe, asking? Uh, I don't know. I, I I was surprised to see that. I was very prices, so I, I mean, maybe they've overbought. You know, maybe they've overbought, and I, I think perhaps now suddenly the demand for green land has reduced because the builders, as you know, the construction uh, field is really struggling because of its costs at the moment, and they're mothballing many sites are getting mothballed. Um, so the demand for for land, which means yeah, there might for those people who want to look to buy land and build themselves, um. I reckon the next few years that might start to look more attractive than it has done for the last few years.
0: Yeah. One of my clients has been keeping their eye on land a lot and they want to do getting to it over the next couple of years. I just,
1: just going back to that previous point, there is no evidence of this. I know that there's no data to back this up. There are only suggestions and points and, and, and circumstantial stuff, but <laughs> You put it all together, and in my mind, there's a very high level of certainty that actual house prices themselves have fallen already, and did last year fall significantly further than the indexes are saying.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I think that housing stocks and property stocks and house building stocks sort of show that that's a reality show that what you're what you're saying is a reality because across the board they're down between 20 and 30 percent they are and that's nine out of 10 UK property stocks barrets down 25 percent this is since interest rates first started to rise so this is what the market investors and traders have priced in across the UK property market stocks right move down 25 percent persimmon. Down 42%. Taylor Wimpey, Dan 11%. Cresh Nicholson, Dan 38%. Land Securities Group 14%. Bellway 13%. Segro 34%. Redrow 12%. Fish Tree, 10%. Watkin Jones has been hammered 80%. That's Dan. British Land 28%. Granger 15%. Savills, 28%. Only two main ones are, uh, well, haven't been the price haven't fallen since rates rise it's been foxton's that's up 35 percent but that, that's because it got hammered so much so value traders have been buying a bit of foxton stock at low value because the risk is quite minimal compared the t- to reward and berkeley is flat but nine out of ten property stocks if you look at the property market through the lens of property stocks and house builders it's in a bear market
1: it's funny you say that. I mean, Fox and something is different because they, they had that change of CEO about a year ago and, and he's definitely yes. improved their performance, just their operational performance. And, and this, so that's why I think, you know, I, I would have bought when he started. I would have bought. Yeah. Would, okay. But all those other stocks you talk about, I mean, that is really interesting because you're saying that, that as that is a reflection. You- Look at that basket of property stocks, and they're down. That's a reflection of the housing market. Yeah. I had, I, you know, I don't know if you, I do these one to one video calls with people who, who want to book time with me to talk about it. And I had one chap who said he'd been trying to buy a new build from this developer, which no one else was offering on it. It was a flat. It was in down in in the southeast of England, um, and he put in an offer about twenty percent below asking a year ago. Because he genuinely thought that was that was fair, and they said no. He went back three months later. They hadn't sold it, and he offered the same. They went no, no, no. Eventually, took it. Okay. Dece- eventually in December, yeah, they they came down and they hit his bid a year after he wanted to buy it anyway. Um, by which time that literally the day he he'd found another place for this exactly the same money, fifty uh, percent bigger, nicer property for the same money, and. And so by the time they accepted it, it's like, no, sorry, it's fallen away now. That's it. And I, I think to myself, when you are in the business of building and selling stuff, and you don't see the writing on the wall when you're actually in the, in, in the market like that, and you, you've got offers out there and you just don't take them, I mean, and now they haven't sold that place.
0: Yeah, and then they they finally capitulate.
1: They do, and, and they've, they've done it, and they've left it too late, and now he's gone. And now it's unsold again.
0: Typical uh, bubble behaviour, though, Char. Deny. Yeah, like left,
1: right, and centre, all over the place. And people go, Oh, house prices haven't come down that much.
0: They have.
1: I can't explain how the indexes calculate what they calculate, but it's not they are not painting a true picture. And of course, because Halifax nationwide lend everywhere in the UK, there are Scotland's going up and Northern Ireland's going up. So that's gonna distort yeah. the picture of what's happening in England and Wales. You yeah. know, I'm doing this um, exchange price index, right? Yeah. Have you notice that I'm, I'm i'm launching this so it's allowing movers themselves because they've got this in ireland in ireland there's a property price report that comes out every week with the property prices that were they exchanged the exchange the we the previous week so in other words there's look, sure, wait, real time yeah it's almost real time um which just makes sense so i'm launching the the, the best agent open source house price index where Anyone involved in the transaction, buyer, seller, agent, conveyancer, and even landlords and tenants can report their house prices for sales and lettings.
0: Um, Investment funds will jump onto that. City funds will jump onto that and traders, they will. Because they'll use that to gauge, yeah. to measure potential, Well, what's happening in the property market in terms of stocks and securities and stuff like that. Good idea. I like it, Char. Send it my way and I let all my clients and my followers know. And it's up well, and running.
1: Really I will take you up on that because it's it's going to depend entirely on the viral effect of social networks. Because you know, the, I, I've already had I we've already been hacked. The people who don't want it to happen. There's people who want. to I bet it's not. <laughs> um, uh, so um, yeah, which, t- <laughs> you know, I'm trying to bring transparency to the market, and there are people there who just don't want that. Mm.
0: They don't. But, want to be fair, though, if from an investors and a commercial point of view. That's not completely invested in the property market. Even those invested in the property market will probably end up. Even those who might be the critical ones over, it will probably end up consuming it, yeah. so, so, so sometimes the critics can tend tend to be the good consumers, but yeah. they tried to hack. Yeah, that's a bit. That is a bit arse. So, but when you are entering something that's quite t- traditional and you're disrupting things. Uh, you do attract a lot of, um, I don't know, bad agents, as I must say. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's, there's. I'm getting some real pushback, and even How... people, who, people who are associated with me are getting, are getting, uh, they're getting grief. They're getting stick for it
0: oh. behind the scenes. Send me over if you ever do, if you you are going to do a little um, advert on your dough, send over to me. I'll whack a few of them on my uh, show for you, mate. Thank you. I'll help you get it out there. I'd like to know your view on the money supply, um, its connection to the property market. Now, the UK M2 money supply is correlated with house prices. Within three months of quantitative tightening, house prices started to fall. So the money supply is driving the house prices quantitative easing house prices up quantitative tightening has prices down in your opinion why doesn't the media and many entities within the property market talk more about this because they seem to put it on the housing supply is one of the main contributors to all the supply of housing and interest rates is one of the main contributors to all house pricing but Money supply is showing, if you if you basically connect the money, M2 money supply with the house prices going back 20, 30, 40 years, there's a, there's a big correlation. Why don't you think the industry itself or the mainstream media focus more on that? Because that's basically stating, look, the money supply is why house prices hasn't entered the bubble and it's become unaffordable. Why don't you think that is, person, in, in, your, uh, so in your opinion?
1: The the property industry don't focus on that because they are all, I mean, the majority of them, except for the really intelligent ones, the majority of them are just so hardwired that you've got to talk the market up non stop. Therefore, you will highlight anything that's positive news about it. But if there's anything negative that might suggest how prices are coming down, you just don't talk about it. You just don't talk about it. Yeah. And, and that is, I mean, that is hardwired into people the fir- on their first day in a state agency. When's a good time yeah. to buy? Now. When's a good time to sell? Now. What house prices is doing? Going up. That's yeah. it. You have those three things drilled into you on day one. That's all you ever say. And, and literally, they're, they're, it's virtually beaten into them. Always oh, going up, because in the long term, that's true. Yeah. And so so why doesn't the property industry talk about it because the property industry will never talk about anything that might make house prices go down. They just won't. They just yeah. won't. even though actually it would help them with transaction volume. So the the problem is is that house sellers don't want to hear it either. Yeah. So they they don't want to hear their estate agent talking the market down.
0: Another thing to factor in as well, I think I always speak I think mention this to Alex as well, is that the mainstream media they are Well, I don't know what uh, proportion, but a lot of their, well, a chunk of their clients are property companies. They are all mortgage companies or banks which are exposed to the mortgage market. So when you look at it from that point of view, mainstream media companies and tabloids that are honest about the property market would be directly putting off their clients who are exposed to the property market because if you've got one page which is saying look this is a reality of the property market here's data. are here's this here's that here's a contrarian opinion and then on the next page you've got an advert with a mortgage company or you've got an advert with a house building company the house building company or that mortgage company is not going to be inclined to advertise in a tabloid or in, in on a tv channel if that TV channel or that tabloid is being critical to the property market. So that's another factor which I believe is why the confidence in the property market is not as low as what it should be. It's not as low as what realists, uh, like yourself and others, people like me, and even people I know who own property, a lot of them are in... Are entering the realist realm where they saying like, Look, we kind of need a reduction, we need to, we need reality and we need rationality to come as soon as possible. And the quicker the reduction, the quicker we'll have a recovery. So, the quicker we, <laughs> it's, it's quicker the reduction, the quicker the recovery. But in order to have the quick reduction, there needs to be a major wave of reality hitting the media, the market. And the financial services sector as a whole. Yeah. Do you think they could backstop the downturn in the property prices if they get a bit if they got a bit out of hand this year through reversing quantitative tightening and embarking back upon the path of quantitative easing? Because the people I speak to from a financial market, a capital market, the in the in land of financial and capital markets, they believe that the main thing that could stop house prices from falling and could re- create recovery would be quantitative easing but it would require a big event for banks to embark upon quantitative easing again well what anyone think? who thinks
1: that anyone who thinks that has got an extremely short memory because all you've got to do is go and look back at 2008
0: and look at house prices to see that despite
1: the yeah. easing there was no significant increase in house prices for five years
0: yeah, the difference now, though, is that about 2008 bank deposits were collapsed and yeah. then quantitative easing supplementing those bank deposits and obviously <laughs> increasing them in the long term. Now, bank deposits are still quite high because of the major oh, yeah. wave true. of quantitative easing in 2020. So it's, I think that is one fact because I have thought of that myself and others have thought of that and that's the difference. When you look at the money supply throughout 2020 uh, 2008 and 2010 it was <laughs> it was it did fall and then the quantitative easing supplemented that fall yeah. whereas if quantitative easing mean, once if we have quantitative easing were to say six months that's only supplementing a reduction in the money supply going back 18 months so is because i don't know because if quant put it this way chart if they come out and said we are embarking back upon quantitative easing there'd be a, a wave of capital flying into property stocks straight away that would be bullish for the property market it would be it would be bullish for the whole stock market so i'm thinking could property be part of that or are we pass that point or are we pass that point where we're on a downward trajectory, just a case of how low are they going to go on a micro level as well as on a national level?
1: Well, I think you're right that there would need to be a major event for that to happen because the Bank of England has declared its intention to pursue its QT uh, for as long as necessary to reverse the effects of QE. That's that's its declared stated policy, so there would need to be something major to happen. Yeah. if something major did happen, you've got to think, well, even if there's QE again, until employment is strong, banks still aren't going to lend money to people who haven't got jobs. Exactly. So you you you'd if you had the combination of QE, rising employment, and rising real wages, then yes, absolutely, you'd see house prices start to go back up in real terms. Yeah. But I think it would take all three of those things. I don't think two out of three, you might you might it might level it off, but it won't. Yeah wouldn't put it back up. You must, have Alex has done the graphs on this, um, you must have um, sustained real wage growth. And I don't just mean the official figures. I think, you know, what's happened recently, the most recent official real wage growth figure is 1.4%. But that doesn't take into account tax rises and the the real cost of living measurement. Uh-huh. So pe- people are still actually, their net real worse off, despite that 1% real um growth which is why i think we're going to see more house price falls this year so i mean i honestly barring some extraordinary i mean do you know what i I mean the idea i keep on putting out there which is what i would do if i was the government because i think it solves many problems including one of the government's own problems is that i would embark on a carefully selected in terms of regions but very aggressive social house building program where the government builds it right so the government hires the, the the building for. so it, it basically competes with the private sector and the government says okay private sector you carry on doing what you're doing you build as much as you want whatever we'll make it easy for you we'll reduce planning restrictions and make it easy for you to build a house we're also going to build houses, we're going to build them, we're going to keep them, we're going to, we're going to create employment by doing that, it's going to boost the economy, the government's then going to own these properties and have the, have them on the government's own balance sheet, and the government's going to get to keep the rent from these social, and we're going to be able to set rents in our properties at levels that key workers can afford, so we as a government will actually deliver some people have accused me of communism for suggesting this, <laughs> but what I'm saying is actually this is the best way to get the government to stimulate the property, the private sector to be more efficient. Yeah. So if if and this would actually be good because at the moment, I mean, what's the tax? They become a compare,
0: really, and competition does yeah. create and organic the government says, the government says.
1: We're going to look after those those hardworking professionals who are doing public sector jobs that are critical to society. And what we're going to do is make sure that they've got affordable places to live. They're going to make sure they've got good quality, affordable homes where they need them. That's the point of doing that. That also will reduce the taxpayers' bill for temporary accommodation, because what a stupid waste of money that is. I mean, I get why they have to do it, right? But was it Kent Council saying, one of the councils last week saying, 50% of their entire budget is going on temporary accommodation which is like he setting fire to money can You imagine, you imagine how many homes they could build with that money instead and, and from an investment standpoint what do you want to do? Pour money down that black hole of temporary accommodation or pour that money into con- yeah. creating jobs, constructing homes and building government owned assets that are there to protect um, the kind of people who want to have a really fulfilling career but aren't chasing money right? Nurses um, you know, policemen, doctors those kind of people who are are not just chasing money alone, but actually want to have a career where they're helping people, let those guys have an affordable place to live. Because actually everyone needs those people. Society needs those people to have a good place to live. So if the government was to take the amount of money it's spending on temporary accommodation and go, do you know what? We're going to build houses now because this is a waste. This is a stupid waste of money. We've got a quarter of a million people currently living in temporary accommodation at the taxpayer's expense.
0: That Imagine. just doesn't make
1: any sense on any level. And
0: not only that, that's that's probably contributing to all the bubble in rent prices.
1: Exactly that, exactly that. So, so what I'm suggesting would actually, I think, boost the economy, it would boost wages, it would therefore boost house prices, Um. Uh, yeah, stop. House. this would be the best way to stop house prices falling, in my opinion. Under
0: Tory government, that's not happening. But considering Labour's going to be in power soon, what you're speaking of could be probable. It could happen because they know that building is needed. And they have been signalling, look, we intend to bark upon building a lot more homes. And if they're going to use government capital to do that, then I think something along the lines of what you're saying probably might come in within the next two, three years because Labour are going to get into power and they are going to want to have a second term. So they are going to want to produce in certain areas. And I think healthcare, housing will be two of the areas that they will produce. Interest rates, do you think that they're going to be coming down this year? Sorry, do I think
1: what's coming down this year?
0: Interest rates, because you've got quantitative tightening. Obviously, the money supply is falling. Inflation, that's obviously falling. What do you think about interest rates? Because the Bank of England is signalling a bit that cuts can be on the horizon.
1: Uh, I don't think that's what they're signalling. I think they they dangle that carrot just to keep people hoping. There's there's one person out of nine that voted for a cut today, only one out of nine. And uh, um, so my confidence level in where interest rates are going is low. It's very, very low. I don't have a confident outlook because there's too many variables outside the UK government's control. Too many international uh, unknowns happening. And we've got 50% of the world's democracies having elections this year. All kinds of stuff could happen that's utterly impossible to predict. So uh, right now, anything could happen. It, any of the three. They could go down, they could stay the same, they could even go back up. Right now, I think the the um, the least unlikely, or the, so therefore the most likely, if I was a gambling man, you said, Charlie, you've got to put all your money down, whether going up, down, or sideways, I would say sideways. That's But it, but that's with low confidence I'm saying that. I I I do not... I get why everyone's hoping for lower rates because it's destroying businesses, it's destroying livelihoods, it's destroying people's chances. Certain
0: media has been giving off that the BFB has been signalling that. GB News, City AM. So do you reckon that the state agents will take that as a bullish indicator and will do what you said earlier, will use it as a sign of... Why? Anyways, always, D- always, D- always. Do you
1: reckon they're, D- they're going to do that? Yeah, they just Even if it's just uh, one
0: in nine, vote yeah, for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: and that's already happened. I mean, the Bloomberg headline today was Bank opens door to future rate cuts. <laughs> no, they, what? no, they didn't. I mean, that's just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> As us, traders always say to each other, never believe the street. <laughs> and obviously the street is trying to give off that bullish Sentiment, Bloomberg, C.A.M., even to political mainstream media like GB News. But if no, still I'm with trader, you. I don't think that we're going to be seeing them soon.
1: If I was still an options trader, I would be buying volatility.
0: Really? Oh, you're talking to someone who's been shorting VIX for the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, The old crush fix Friday trade, that's done me very, very good. But you are right. Short VIX trade, I've not embarked upon in the past three months because VIX has been falling a lot so the risk has been increasing and the reward has stayed the same because fix does get crushed a lot it does on friday it gets crushed literally every friday Mm -hmm. not only that it's created a band well of traders which have now turned into a mini sort of coal going back for the past 10 years it's all jumped on the ball, ball and just every time friday comes or even retail traders investors have been doing here (laughs) every Friday across investment communities Wall Street bets, the websites the brokerage communities it's like are we all crushing VIX today are we all shorting VIX but in the past few months a lot of the short VIX crew have been sort of moving back like hold on a minute here the reward stayed the same but the risk has increased a lot you've got geopolitical risk you've got certain other types of market risk and yeah You are right and I have been saying to a few people buying a few, well, buying into VIX funds, getting exposure to the VIX without buying the options or the futures is a hedge for this year. So it is a hedge for this year. Well, that's why, in my opinion. So I am of the same thought of you. Vix, I think, is going to blow up. I think Cole ba- no, knows it. I think it was Cole Bass I said, "There's a There's a chance we've got Vix hitting when the next blowout occurs. Vix could break hundred. So you have got some respected in Wall- like hedges or Wall Street investors have sort of come up and said, Vix could break out so much it could break the hundred barrier. Nice. Yeah, I, but I, I do think. Rate cuts I, I, aren't coming this year.
1: You know, so you know. I don't know if you know this. I I, I used to be a, a futures and options broker. I didn't. So back, it was my first job. When well, no, I was my first, it was my first career. I had jobs before that. It was my first actual career move. So I was a, I was registered. I was a registered representative of the Securities and Futures Authority, and I worked on the Open outcry Life Exchange.
0: Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and I tell you what being in that in that room full of 2,000 people wearing wacky coloured jackets, screaming and shouting and waving hand signals and all that kind of stuff, I learnt what a market is and how a market works.
0: And our, main, <laughs> and, and our human psychology works. <laughs> you know,
1: and, and I saw all the different kinds. I saw the market makers, I saw the independent traders, the as the day traders. In and, But it was all in physical, in real life. Yeah. And seeing it was just incredible. And it really made me understand... All of the, all of the factors and dynamics that affect markets.
0: Is that why you're a bit of a contrarian now? Would you say? I reckon, yeah, of course. Yeah, it
1: because you know that that allows me unusually in the property market. It allows me to bring that training. So i and I was breaking all the derivatives, not just financials, but also commodities, soft commodities, forex, the whole lot. And so I got this incredible. Um sort of wide ranging training of, of how financial products and derivatives all work. And I had my best mates working at Bear Stearns and the company I worked for was the largest broker on the life floor. So we had all the banks as clients. Um, and you know, and, and I, I, I traded my own book a little bit and I was always trading on volatility. So I used to, uh, the, my favorite one was short Sterling. So short Sterling futures was what I used to trade mm-hmm. I used to do a spread between the different months. Um, uh, know yeah, that's when I was, I was 19 when I was doing that job. Um, uh, and so, so you look
0: at the property market from a sort of market, stroke, monetary, and f- capital yeah, point of exactly view. So. Whereas a lot of people in the market, they're only looking at it through the lens of the property market itself, when in essentially it's a financial cap, stroke, capital markets which underpin the property market.
1: Yeah. And there are three big things that everyone gets wrong about the property market. And the first and most important one. Is the time scales of it how slowly it works? Unlike any other market, which you can get in and out of almost on a daily basis, the time—if and as you know—I op- don't know if you know this—but options values have—you have, know—one of the one of the elements of an option price is its time value. Yeah. So the time value involved in property transactions is massive. And the risk and the volatility, you know, if you were pricing it in the same way, would be really high. And it's not about property prices. It's actually about what I i think of it as opportunity prices. Because diff- two different sellers of an identical property have got different reasons for selling, different time horizons for selling, yeah. and will therefore sell at different prices. Does that make the properties different values?
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So, so, people get that wrong all about, and basically, a property transaction from cradle to grave is a minimum of twelve months yeah. from when someone decides, on average. And, and so, now look at what can happen in the in in markets in society in a year. That's the first thing they get wrong. The second thing they get wrong is this whole supply and demand thing. It's not about buyers versus homes; it's about availability of money versus yes. homes. It's nothing to do with how many people want a house. Everyone wants a house and everyone wants a nicer house. So if you're measuring on that demand, and it's, it's also, it's not about population levels either. It's much more complicated than that, but it is supply and demand. is it, The supply of available property for sale, obviously that, that, can get, that gets restricted and that does have an input factor. But, the, but on the other side, demand should not be measured in number of buyers inquiring. It should huh. be measured on the availability of credit.
0: Exactly, exactly. Right. Because when exactly. a buyer demands to buy a property, yeah. m- maybe they will to factor in they demand a mortgage. Because and the, point,
1: and the mortgage terms as well, because it's so much more complicated than just supply and demand, because it's the term of that mortgage, it's the rate of that mortgage, it's how much is being offered. All of these things change house prices. Yeah. none of them very few of them have to do with how many buyers how many buyers is a really crude and not accurate measure of of the property market no. what is a better metric and it's what just like trading to... it is trading volume yeah exactly like... that so so what something that nobody reports on but i hope to report on through best agent is offer volume offer volume So how many offers are being made on a property within the first 28 days? You track a metric like that, you've got a much better knowledge of what's happening in the market. Because that will go up and down from one month to the next in a way that really indicates what's going on in that market.
0: Yeah, it's a turnover as well. When looking at stock, a lot of companies, especially from an investor relations Uh, point of view we'll look at the turnover so the shareholder turnover they will prioritize that over the trading volume because there will be stocks at my top 90 percent but their trading volume only down 10 20 30 percent and yeah. sometimes when stocks um fall they then become very illiquid so one boost in trading, so 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 one let's say the trading volume increase 500 that day it will create a move that will be very small relative to that move that that trading volume spiking 500 in one day two three four years prior when the stock was trading at a much much higher price so trading volume isn't really not really on real time looking at from trading in a real time point of view yeah it does matter because you it doesn't matter in very, very sort of... um But when you're looking at the long-term and even the mid-term, it, no, it doesn't really matter. So I, I do get what you mean when you do um put it like that. So these two... one more really important... I spoke to to agents, are, yeah, who look at me as if they do not have a clue what I'm saying when I'm talking about quantitative easing it and other yes, things like some that. Some of them don't know what it is. But... Why is a business model?
1: No, but the, the the skill that is actually required, and and what I see amongst, I say one of the one of the best agents I ever worked with. He was in Lavender Hill in London, and he had he had three branches. He's one of the nicest blokes I ever knew. He had three shops. He had about twelve or fifteen staff, and he did really really well. I met him because he became a, became a client of the software that I designed and was selling to agents back at the time in the early 2000s. And he said to me, he said, I sat there pitching in my software and talking about metrics and this, that, and the other. And he said, Charlie, let me stop you. He said, I'm going to go ahead and buy software because I like you and you know what you're talking about. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I've got no clue about numbers. I've got no clue about accounts. I've got no clue about marketing. I've got no clue about technology. He said, what I know how to do is I know my patch. I look after my customers and I take care of my team. That's why I'm successful. And and this is the point that no one understands about being an estate agent. It's nothing to do with selling property. It is nothing to do with selling property. It's to do with matching people, one person's situation in life with another person's situation in life and working out which ones are going to work and which ones aren't. Because again, unlike any other marketplace, right? If you're going to buy any other marketplace, what you're buying, no matter who you buy it from, it's the same thing. You buy a bar of gold from from Jim or John, it's this, it's a bar of gold, right? Yeah. You go and buy any commodity or anything else, any asset class, you're buying an identical thing. Every single individual home is different. They smell different. They look different. They've got a different view. They've got a different side of the street. And that affects the buyer's view. So the market is an individual going, which house do I like? Which one's furthest away from my ex? Which one's closest to my kids? Which one's, you know, and all of these emotive they have nothing to do with money it's to do with the emotive reasons for the purchase you know people sell because they're divorcing people sell because they've lost their job and they've got to relocate for a job these aren't so many variables and yeah and basically what it comes down to is emotion and what no one understands about estate agents is that actually the very best estate agents are the ones who are best at dealing with people and helping people through what's a very, very stressful time. And you don't need to know anything about markets as an mm-hmm. estate agent. You need to know how to get the seller to come off their high uh, their high fence. And you need to know how to get the buyer to feel really committed to the deal because otherwise you'll work for five months and they'll pull out and you won't earn anything. So it, this is why a lot of agents don't know what QE is. They don't need to, they don't understand. All they need to know is which buyers have I got and which sellers have I got and which ones can I put together? Because the, that process has nothing to do with market forces,
0: and the in- main one in that tra- the transaction is uh, the mortgage broker. The main when you got a buyer, when you got a seller, I but you've also got you got obviously the mortgage broker, issue sh- issuer. I think the main one in them is a the mortgage issuer, the mortgage broker, because without the mortgage broker, there's no buyer. Without no buyer, there's no seller chart you get what I'm saying when I see that so from a buyer and a seller yes you've got the the obviously the the natural trade I yeah. take, you give, blah 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 but then you've got because it's relying on credit you've got a third transactional party which is mortgage yeah. no, and I get that. without that I think so whereas you look at the three. you you you're looking at the mortgage side, the buyer and the seller side Whereas most people in the industry, most companies in the industry, won't really factor in the mortgage. sale, factor in the buyer and the seller. But whenever there is a downturn that hits, when 2008 hits, a lot of agents and a lot of mortgage brokers themselves, they started to conclude, look, credit is a key driver to our business. And our business is in a toilet whilst we're in a credit crunch. Yeah. But now they're not looking at it like that. They're not. But surely there's got to be some, I don't know, industry capitulation at some point. You're saying, right move is being realistic with what they're saying, where basically sellers need to get to grip and start to reduce pricing. Do you think that yeah. that will start to hit a lot more? A lot more companies, a lot more maybe media uh, property media companies, will they start to take that sentiment and belief on and start to tell the sellers in the industry? Because the quicker they tell the sellers, the quicker the prices will reduce. The quicker prices will reduce, Charles, the quicker there'll be a recovery. And then oh. that's when their business goes all right. So maybe they might think do we want a, couple, a few years of stagnation? Or shall we get this over and done with, reduce prices and let the market recover and we're back into business in a year rather than three years' time?
1: You see, the problem is is that for that to happen, you've got to say to an individual seller, look, mate, sorry, you've got to take the hit so that we can get on with our market.
0: That's why you need a mainstream media approach. Yeah. You do.
1: But you see, and, and I mean, even yesterday, Nationwide, no one reported on it, right? But Nationwide, uh, I'm just trying to look for the actual quote. Oh, here it is. Nationwide's quote yesterday was, while a rapid rebound in activity or house prices in 2024 appears unlikely. That's a pretty
0: bearish statement from a lender. (laughs) The outlook is looking... They're highly exposed to mortgages, mate. The
1: the outlook is looking a little more positive. So that actually, in my mind, is a pretty realistic statement. While a rapid rebound in activity or prices appears unlikely... The outlook is a little more positive. You know, you had agents going, yay, Nationwide says everything's great again, which is not what they said at all. And so, you know, I mean, Rightmove doesn't help the problem because Rightmove's house price index is an index of asking prices. Not, not an index has got anything to do with the actual market price. It's like, you know, it, I go back to my, my my open outcry market pit, right? Every single pit in that life exchange, there are about 15 different pits trading all the different European currencies and the government bonds, that kind of stuff. Each one had up on the screen the bid and the offer, right? That, that is a market, a bid and an offer. Yeah. That's it. And what sellers are doing in the context is that it's like they're standing at the edge of the pit saying, well, my offer price is uh, 10% above the current offer price
0: uh well, oh. you
1: know in the market then are you and that's that's the problem and agents think that it's okay to list sellers houses like that and it just doesn't help
0: yeah it surprises me when you are saying that Nationwide come up with that and I'll tell you why because Nationwide isn't really one of the UK big banks it but it's heavily exposed to mortgages when you look at its size compared to the mortgage it, it's sharing its market share of uh, mortgages so they own their market share of the mortgage is roughly 11% well, as HSBC is only eight percent, Barclays is only ten percent, and they are two mammoth banks, far bigger than Nationwide Santander. They've got the rough same type of market share in mortgages and Nationwide. So, uh, when you're looking at size, balance sheet, and assets, Nationwide uh, the size, the balance sheets and assets of UK building societies and banks compared to their market share in the mortgage market, the market share of the mortgage market, Nationwide is one of the most exposed banks. The the biggest market share is with Lloyds Bank. That's 18%. I think No, I think it's 17%. But Lloyds Bank is a lot more bigger than Nationwide. So if you were to look at Nationwide's exposure to the mortgage market, they are more exposed than other banks and building societies. So it surprises me, you telling me that they're, being a bit more realistic because they're heavily exposed and it's not within their interest to be honest about what's coming. If you're saying, look, they're being honest, but saying they could be light at the end of the tunnel, it's not really a bullish sentiment, is it?
1: It isn't, but they need to sell mortgages now. They need to sell more mortgages now. And so yeah. just, I think yeah, what they're doing in my mind is correct, which is they're, being, they're saying be realistic and and, and trading will happen. Yeah. Yeah, so, so all of them... Lenders... But they might
0: have to take a hit in the mortgage book, though. They might, because if there is a price reduction, the more prices fall, the more it's going to hurt these banks and building societies. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they do increase their mortgage activity because they're holding mortgages, they are, they're holding MBS. So a reduction in the value of those assets and... Those assets which are all part of bonds and securities it's all intertwined as we go back to 2008 mortgage-backed securities in the case are mbs residential mortgage-backed securities then there will be a securities element to it there will be an element where the securities market isn't really going to be willing to basically buy a nationwide's mortgages that they take on so but i think you yeah, so see the the nationwide is in a very precarious situation. It is it is in a very precarious situation because you're right, it does want more mortgage volume and activity. So falling prices will create an increase in volume and activity. But the more the prices fall, the more it's gonna hurt their mortgage the more it's gonna it's gonna yeah. build more risk up in their mortgage portfolio. So the these they have to do one thing but if they do it too much it's going to hurt them so but the
1: criteria is getting tighter it's, and this is the, yeah, this is the, the factor, yeah. right for the exact reason you describe they're going to have to be tightening their lending criteria you know fewer large loan to value mortgages because they, they they don't want to increase their exposure yeah and, yeah uh, yeah i i honestly i worry I, i i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong um because my my number one reason for thinking house prices are going to end up having fallen thirty five percent by the time this is over from the twenty twenty two summer peak is because what's about to happen to the jobs market? What's what's actually begun happening to the jobs market already? In, in you know, in, but there's much worse to come sadly. And they're just if I could see any source of real sustainable growth anywhere, I wouldn't feel so bearish. I, I'm an optimist by nature. I really am. Um, but I'm also, I've learned, life's taught me to be a realist. Being in the market's taught me to be a bit of a realist as well. And there's no point in making your future decisions based on hope. It, it always ends up badly. It all, you know, Hope for the best, sure, but prepare for the worst. And, and you know, hopefully it'll be somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, mortgage defaults are up. They are. So the more prices fall, the more default mortgage defaults are going to go up. The more mortgage defaults, the more that's going to put these banks under, well, that's more, that's, going to make these banks more exposed so while right i know it's a bit of a hypothetical question but let's say that rates stay at the current 5.25 percent throughout this year when do do you've when do you think house prices will recover because if they stay at 5.25 percent, there's a probability that house prices are going to keep on falling because we've got a wave of layoffs we've got confidence falling so no matter what the sentiment may be for mainstream media or even the central bank, the coming wave of unemployment, so layoffs, is going to affect demand. And I I'm quite adamant that prices are going to fall this year. If prices do start uh, do fall throughout the year, and it's at the end of the year and prices are down, when do you think prices can recover at some point? Do you think that they will recover based on um because usually, when prices recover, is when they get to so much, they get to a point where that asset becomes very valuable, like the stock market. it doesn't matter if it. See, some companies can look, some companies' balance sheets and financial accounts can look well like dog sheet, uh, dog shit, put it that way. But if that company falls ninety eight percent in price. That is, that company can become a valuable company. So, dependent on the price of anything. Well, anything sells at a price. It's dependent on what that price is and the value underlying that price. So what do you think, if we do carry on, if, if, the house price is, if the housing market does fall in prices this year on a micro level and on a national level, when do you reckon there will be a recovery or is that something you just can't put your... I, don't, I have an opinion on this. Go on.
1: You're not going to like it. Go <laughs> on. Um, I don't think house prices are going to stop falling until... Well into twenty
0: twenty five. Really,
1: I don't think we will see. Yeah, they'll just keep on sliding. They're not crap They're going to keep on sliding for another couple of years because because and this goes back to a point I made about how slow the property transaction process is and how slow price reporting is and how long it takes today's activity in the market to feed through to completed prices, which is about a year.
0: I've so got yeah.
1: Prices will keep falling this year which means we won't people will be transacting this time next year and we won't see the results of that until the year after so i don't think we will see the bottom reported until early 2026
0: it's uh, bearish uh,
1: and i think it's going to be flat until 2030 alex thinks that uh different reasons to well i mean we kind of have overlapping reasons but not all the same reasons uh, and even Richard Donald from Zoopla agrees that once prices have fallen, he doesn't agree how far they're going to fall as I do. But where all three of us, Alex, Richard Donald, and myself, agree is that wherever they bottom out, they ain't coming back up for the facility. Yeah. They're, yeah.
0: They're just- there's only yeah. one thing. There's only one thing. And no doubt it's going to stop it. No doubt it'll have to create, be a big event to, big event to make it happen, but quantitative easing. If they embark upon quantitative easing because of one event, geopolitical or a market event itself, yeah. then they are backstopping the downfall in property prices. That is, I am, I will state that now. If we do have a decline in property prices and they do carry on, and some way, somehow they embark upon QE again, they will be backstopping. The pop uh ba- yeah, ba- basically ba- back shop in the property market that
1: won't solve the the um employment. will the
0: delay be a bit too because you mentioned a delay yeah
1: so two year, two year delay I, I think you know i mean it's it's been how long has it been since they started raising interest rates and today the bank of yeah England said they still yeah. reckon there's another 30 percent to go until the full effect of their rises actually feeds through to the whole market
0: did you say a two-year delay
1: I think it's a two-year delay from when they. Announced. So have they done
0: QE, yeah. So have they done announced QE. Now we're looking at twenty twenty-six. I've got yeah, yeah. I'm starting yeah. to see the logic behind why you're putting that. And year. I think that you know,
1: a lot of investors and traders just don't understand that that every other market you can trade, get in and out on a daily basis. You cannot do that in property.
0: No, it's not real time. It's not. Yeah. Settlements, all of it. It's not real time. So yeah, I I, I get what you mean. All right, well I will take that on. Now I see a lot of logic behind that. Where you say, look, Mike, if they don't queue today, the two year delay will make basically still will put it to walls twenty yeah. twenty six. So if there is QE today, then we probably won't see the recovery in prices till twenty twenty six because of the two year delay. I've yeah. got that logic. When you say that to agents, say something like that to estate agents. Look, it's a two-year delay, which is a problem. How do they react to that? Because I'm assuming a lot of them um, sort of automatically oh, hate they just, you. They just sort know. of,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They hate the truth hurts. Know, yeah, you know, I, I say I've always said to agents: house prices don't affect you as long as people want to move, and as long as you're there to help them move, you make your you make your fee off the transaction, whatever. Yeah. House prices are. You know, house prices only matter to agents if you are relying on this always up narrative. And so, if you have pinned your whole business to house prices always go up when they're going down, you're fucked. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know what? What a really good agent will say is, whatever the market's doing, I will get you moved. That is an agent's job. Whatever the market's doing, I will get you moved. That's where they that's where they add the value. But to answer your question, what do they what do they say when I say things like "there's a two year delay"? If they bring in uh, any stimulus, they just sort of glaze over. They don't really respond. That you know they, they just they just sort of don't want to hear it. And you, uh, I mean, I've seen this. It happens. I happen with my kids. I say something to my kids, they don't want to hear, it, and they just sort of look away and think about something else because they don't want to. Uh-huh. They don't want to absorb the truth of what I'm saying. And and I think this is you know with the people who don't believe me on the 35 percent house price falls. You know, why am I that bearish? It is a long. It, it, it's not an, a a list of things that add up. It's a list of things that negatively multiply.
0: Yeah. I think at the end of this year, you will be coming out with examples of very, very high-end prices that have fallen 30 to 40% going back the past couple of years. There is yeah. steep discounts in luxury, yeah. luxury property. Yeah. So I think at the end of the year, there's going to be many, many examples of 30 to 40% discounts on yeah. luxury properties between a million and five million pounds, especially in... Cities, inner city, like thing, Manchester, my,
1: the, London. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, the London. other thing that that that, uh, that being in those markets taught me is that when liquidity drops, price volatility increases. Yes, and in a so therefore in a in a trending downward market with less liquidity, which we have right now, it will accelerate price falls, but we won't see that for a year
0: same mechanism a for the stock market, but it's real time. Yeah. It is. Cause obviously you've got real time settlement, yeah. so yeah. settlement. So all one stroke two day settlement. So yeah, I see. So, so it's a two year delay really is the main key. So it's like, if we do cherry today or if they cut interest rates today, it's still the delay factor because as we have seen, it's been roughly a couple of years since rates started to rise and it's, been kicking in a lot recently and it started to kick in last year with luxury properties. and my dad's girlfriend she got a 13% cut discount on the house in Kent she moved from London to out of Kent she did so but she didn't take she only took I think it was a few percent discount on the London house so which is why I probably partly contributed towards my theory in that counties that have a lot of middle class and upper class people living in them are going to have a big hit in terms of property yeah. pricing i think surrey especially around the stockbroker belt is going to get hit a lot but yeah no i do i, I really really do like that uh, you do give that contrarian approach but at the same time you're saying look i've got skin in this game I've t- this is my business and to be honest i'm quite optimistic at the same time but the, re- the more realistic we are, the more optimistic you will eventually be. Because realism always leads to reduction of price. And a reduction of price always leads to a recovery stroke, a rally. The three R's, they always come in and no, you know what? Not even the banks, not even the controllers of credit can control that. You control a market like that because you've got variables, you've got different fundamentals, you've got psychology. Because they could, it don't matter if they control the credit. The dem- then you've got the demand factor that comes in. So there's so many different variables and fundamentals to factor in, and you're doing it from not just a property market. You're factoring in the monetary side and the financial and capital market side. And I think throughout this year, a lot of people within the property market are going to start putting their eyes towards what's happening in terms of monetary policy because they're going to start to conclude, look, it's the supply of credit, it's interest rates, which is basically underpinning our business. So maybe we need to be honest and tell tell those who are selling, the sellers in this market, look, you've got to start getting a bit realistic. With your approach, and that's what happens with the stock market. Because if just a few percent of the stock market become realist, then the market will take that on and think, Well, why is that the case? And then that will create a domino effect, which is why you always see the stock market is pricing things in advance. So a stock market tends to be a snapshot of what's happening within the next six to 12 months, and what we've seen. With property stocks, going back the past two years, seems like what we're going to see with your theory in, price is going to fall 35%. Right, before I go, I'd like to finish off and get your predictions on a couple of things outside of the market, Char. Right, who's going to win the general election this year, UK one? Oh,
1: well... uh, (sighs) At the moment, if they held it tomorrow, Keir Starmer would get it, no problem. But I suspect between now and whenever they have the election, there's going to be some ructions, some major ructions. I don't know what they're going to be. I just think that if... Just keep your eyes very closely on on Farage and Reform and yeah. Tice and the Tories wanting to, to replace Sunak. I, I just... My gut feel tells me that there's a lot more to happen in this story before we get to election day. And the, and the choice we've got today may not be the choice we have then. And so, yeah, if it was today... Their
0: immigration ticket isn't working no more. Uh, the more tougher on uh, immigration they're getting, the more voters they're losing.
1: It's... it's. I just think their credibility is shot to pieces. And so it's whether or not a, a new... Whether or not they replace Sunak, possibly. Whether or not... Um, other parties get—I I don't know—that the, this. I just sense some frantic stuff happening behind the scenes of people trying to to, to organize stuff into into some kind of new challenge. If the, if if we go into election Sunak versus uh, Starmer, then Starmer's going to win, which yeah. which you know, I, I just think it's going to be more of the same. I don't think I don't see any big changes. Happening yeah. Likewise.
0: Public um, sectors um, might get maybe an extra one percent increase in their pay rise, other than what yeah, Tories would we'll give them. But, but but otherwise, I think there power- will be a program with healthcare and housing. Like I said that to you earlier, you I? I do think there will be programs there because they're going to want to keep and they, they're going to want a second term. Power is going to want to is going to drive them well power is going to drive them to want to have a second term and I think housing and healthcare are going to get them in their second term. They're not going to do it with immigration or social issues or cultural issues so I do think that if they are going to produce in area in one area or a couple of areas I think housing and healthcare will be the two areas and we could see what you said earlier about social housing programme. If Trump becomes a candidate for the Republican Party who do you think is going to win out of Trump and if Biden doesn't stand down, I think Biden's going to stand down in March. By the way, They say that it's Biden versus Trump. Who would you say? Is, who would you put your money on winning?
1: Trump easily this time.
0: Definitely, hundred percent. It's going to work. Well, the world's changed
1: lot since the last one, uh, but I think uh, there, there's talk about it being Michelle Obama instead of Biden.
0: I think uh, it's going to be Mark Cuban. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I I'm going to
1: yeah. <laughs> I, 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 my gut feel is it, it is that um. A lot's changed. I actually think Trump himself has changed as well. He's much more conciliatory in his in his in his approach this time. He's not been quite so firebrand. He's being much more uh, moderate. Bizarrely, I never thought I'd hear myself say that about him, but he's being more moderate. And, running and a his. bit
0: on a uni ticket, isn't he? So we need yeah. unified Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. He and knows what he's doing.
1: He's, he's he's a clever boy. He's a clever boy. Whatever yeah. else you think of it, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of things about him which which are you know I think do worry people and and but but who knows? Yeah, that's that. So I think we at the moment today the money would be Starmer and Trump, and Trump. by the end of the year. But I, I but as a caveat, I think there's quite a few things could change between now and the end of the year before the elections happen.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Well, um, Char, it's been an immense pleasure to have you on my show, pal, and. I know many people do respect your opinion. I do. And I know my listeners and clients are going to be very, very interested to hear, hear the show, pal. And I'd like to get you on at some point in, in the future, three, four, five, six months of time. Would that be possible, mate? Absolutely. It's,
1: it's been my pleasure. I'm I'm honoured to have been invited, and I'd be very, very happy to come back and talk to you again.
0: Thank you for giving us the time, pal. And then, until next time, Char, have a prosperous and a productive time, mate. Yeah. You too, mate. You too. Thanks. Be mate. lucky, Char. ta